Hey everybody, this is GRE Bytes. My name is Davis, an educator with 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you your weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. For more information, check us out at stellargre.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in a previous episode, we kind of went in on uh, the general approach for balancing accuracy and efficiency to get to the sweet spot where you're you know, really bumping up your percentile points, 10% up into the 90s. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about efficiency. What are some of the different strategies specifically to, to increase a student's throughput to get to all the questions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've mentioned this before, is, is really the hardest aspect of this test for the vast majority of students is the time constraint. If you can do it in five minutes, you kind of can't do it with respect to the GRE. There are some exceptions, but most students should be able to do most questions in 90 seconds or less. And if you can't, then it's kind of a zero-sum game. You'll get this question right potentially, but you won't have time to get to another question within that time limit. And so you kind of are coming up against a ceiling with respect to your overall score. you got to get to more questions within that time limit, which means you have to answer the questions you're responding more efficiently. So. So, you know, first and foremost, the student going in fully aware and prepared that this is a time test. Say you have a 35 minute section knowing you have 20 questions. So that kind of clock should always be there. Like, okay, 90 seconds on average per question. Yes, but I do believe that it's not helpful for most students to micromanage their behavior on that level. I personally don't time my performance per question. I even toggle the timer off when I take the test because I find it to be very distracting counting down each second in the upper right hand corner. It's just anxiety provoking for me and I've been doing this for a long time so I can imagine what it would be like for some of my students. Um, that said, we can't ignore the time limit. It's a reality. What I personally do is I toggle the timer off and I check in every five problems. So five problems is a quarter of that set. If I'm on a quantitative section, then I should be between eight and nine minutes deeper into the time every five problems. So I check in often enough to see if I'm on pace to get to all the questions within the time limit. And I check in often enough that I can course correct as necessary. So for example, if I were to answer the first five problems and I check in 10 minutes have passed, ooh, it's a little slow. I'm a little behind, I need to pick up the pace, but I still have you know, 25 minutes left, I can save that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And if I check in and only six minutes have passed, great, I can chill out, I can calm down, I can, I can go a little bit more into accuracy than I might otherwise be able to. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, you've talked in previous episodes also about um, practicing the whole, the whole the whole section section at once mm -hmm. um, to to increase your efficiency to get to all the questions there and then to put all sections together at four and a half hours. I mean, how much of it comes from just rote practice? I mean, how much does rote practice affect? Like just repetition, repetition, repetition increases students' ability to be efficient in getting to all the problems. A lot, especially with the quantitative section. In my system, 
every single quantitative question can be sorted into one of only 50 diagnostic categories. So in the stellar system, there's only 50 types of quantitative problems on the GRE, which is actually pretty amazing given the fact that when you actually take the test, you're only going to take 40 problems. So you only have to prepare for 50 types of questions for a 40 problem math test. All right, so each of those questions of those 40 is generally different? Generally, but not always. We've talked about base rates in the past. Yeah. For example, the diagnostic category that by far has the highest base rate is a plug-in question. And those are usually between a fifth and a quarter of any given quantitative set, which means that four or five of the questions you encounter will be plug-in problems, and you can solve them using this one technique. Plugging in is by far the most useful and versatile quantitative strategy because boom, you get four or five free points just by mastering this one technique mm -hmm. versus you might have to take several tests before you see one mixture problem. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So the, so the strategy, one of the strategies for increasing efficiency is recognizing what types of questions, you know, categorizing the questions that you encounter and having a, a set, um, you know, solution. That's right. To, to set system of how to, to answer that. So that's quantitative. Hold on. Let me expand yeah. on that a little bit yeah. because in Stellar we call that diagnosing. So a big part of what's difficult between transitioning from test prep to the actual exam is again, when you're studying, you kind of know that this question comes from this chapter on probability or this chapter on combinatorics or this chapter on averages. And so you're already kind of primed to know how to solve that problem because of its context in the test prep system. And that's very different from the actual exam where, boom, a question pops up on your screen. You have to first figure out what kind of problem you're dealing with, and that's diagnosis. And so that's also a key part of efficiency is the stellar system trains students to recognize empirical signs in that question that are associated with one of those 50 diagnostic categories. Empirical signs meaning either English words, geometric figures, or mathematical symbols. And so you can kind of scan the question and the answer choices, try to figure out which of those 50 buckets this question is in, and then boom, you actively recall into your working memory the strategies, the techniques, the fun facts about that question type that were successful in solving similar questions in the past. And especially with quantitative, there are many mechanical solutions. In Stellar, there are a lot of techniques where the only thing that changes are the actual values of the numbers involved. You do exactly the same thing every single time. And if you've done that strategy 10 times, it's not going to be different the 11th time. So if you've over-rehearsed those approaches to those types of problems, that is far and away your best bet of improving your efficiency. I think that seems like it would build confidence too. So if, sure. you, if you've trained a, a, a way of thinking that's diagnostic and you have these larger categories and more helpfully you have specific strategies that can tackle categories and you're looking at the question and you have a, a, a you take away the guesswork. You say, oh, I know from this word or for this, this, this symbol that I use this solution. Mm -hmm. That's awesome in the quantitative section. I'm wondering how the efficiency gains can be also made in the uh, in the reading comprehension section, for example, or the writing even. Um, are there similar, you know, categories or strategies that take away the guesswork in the stellar approach? Oh, absolutely. So we have 
there's three sections of the GRE. There's the quantitative, there's the verbal, and then the, the writing section. The, the writing section is the first section that students encounter. It's two 30-minute essay prompts. There aren't any efficiency strategies for the writing section. Okay. You actually want to use all 30 minutes to write as much as possible. We can probably talk about that in a future episode. Yeah. Verbal section, you have 20 questions in 30 minutes. So that's 90 seconds on average. And there are less standardized approaches or strategies with the verbal section compared with the quantitative because so much depends on the actual words involved, the content of the passages that you're given, and obviously those can't be prepared in advance. One of the major efficient strategies for the verbal section is skipping based on question type. So there are three general question types on a given verbal section. There are vocab-based questions, which are easy to recognize because there's vocab there in the answer choices. There are reading comprehension questions, which are easy to recognize because it's usually multiple paragraphs and multiple questions. And then there are what I call logical reasoning questions, which are they're, they're similar to reading comp because you have to read, but it's one paragraph and one question. Mm -hmm. These are things like what would weaken this argument, what would strengthen this argument, what's the relationship between these two bold-faced sentences. Got it? So yeah. there's these three, vocab-based, reading comp, logical reasoning, and I highly recommend that students do each verbal set in that order. Do all the vocab-based questions first. There's going to be 10 of them. Then do all the reading comps. There should be about nine, and say the logical reasoning, if there is one, because it has a base rate of around 5%, one in 20, uh, for the very end. Mm -hmm. This is helpful because, um, well, vocab-based questions should be more efficient than reading comp, mm -hmm. because there's just less to read. And when you're reading, you're not solving. Mm -hmm. uh, ideally, we want to shoot for answering those 10 vocab-based questions within 10 to 12 minutes of a verbal set. Um, because we need to bank time to be able to read right. the passages. I like also doing the vocab-based questions first because it can give you the opportunity to say, well, how deeply and how thoroughly, how carefully can I actually read these passages? Because you'll know exactly how much time you have left at that point. Right. Okay, so I did my first pass, I answered all the vocab-based questions, and there are three texts. There's one that's two paragraphs, I get two questions. There's one that's four paragraphs and gets four questions. And there's one that's two paragraphs and gets three questions. So I have 15 minutes left, so I can really do five minutes per bundle. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's going to, just off the cuff, give you a general impression of how carefully you can read any one passage. Mm -hmm. Notice that I, I also mentioned paragraphs to questions. That's also useful. Yeah. So if you're going to do all the vocab-based questions first, that means you're going to be skipping through that verbal section, which means you will have at least encountered those reading comprehension questions already. You should skip over them on your first pass through, but as you're doing so, you can collect information on the number of paragraphs associated with that text and the number of questions associated with that passage, which can create this ratio of paragraphs to questions. Mm -hmm. You can then prioritize reading comprehension questions that have lower fractions. Yeah. Basically, yeah. we want... More bang for your buck. Exactly. The yeah. best thing would be if it were one paragraph yeah. long, we got four questions. Yeah. That would be awesome. You start there. You start there because that's going to be still in the, the meaty part of your time limit, and we want to get more questions within the time limit than, than not, obviously. Right. So this also helps you to prioritize effectively.
No, that's great. These are these are great strategies. I thank everybody for tuning in. If you want to hear more, we'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode of GRE Bites. Uh, and if you have any other topics you'd like to discuss on a future episode, let us know at stellargre at gmail.com. And of course, if you're interested in either GRE prep or grad school consulting, check out Stellar GRE.